among us, and sometimes they win. Even the devil was an angel once. The world has its own rules, and these rules are not human. Some of us seek answers to the origin and existence of cryptids and the unexplained. Join us as we venture beyond the known and accepted boundaries. Welcome to our nightmare. I think you're going to like it. Hey folks, good evening and welcome to Phantoms of Monsters Radio, where we explore the unexplained live on YouTube. I'm your host, Lon Strickler, coming to you with a cannon shot of historic Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. So uh, the Phantoms of Monsters Radio channel is made possible by you liking, subscribing, and sharing our programming. And Super Chat donations are essential for us to continue offering you our unique content. So your consideration is very much needed and appreciated so tonight i had wt watson who is a coffee addict and writer of both fiction and non-fiction he infuses his work with his expertise in cryptozoology monster lore magic fortiana and the paranormal he brings a unique shamanic and magical perspective to all his work for over 30 years of exploration into these topics uh, when he is not writing or reading about monsters, he can be found outdoors allowing his dogs to take him for a walk around the neighborhood in Kitchener, Ontario. He lives with his spouse, Stacy, in the townhouse that would be jammed with books if it weren't for an e-reader. Uh, Travis recently published a book with Beyond the Furry Publishing titled Mysteries in the Mist, Mist, Fog, and Clouds in the Paranormal. So, Travis, thanks again for joining me this evening. Well, thanks for having me, Lon. I really look forward to uh, having this opportunity to chat with you and and with your listeners. So, um, looking forward to it. Well, let's see. Mysteries in the mist, mist, fog, and clouds in the paranormal. Okay. Tell us about it. What inspired this book? So... As you know, because you had me on the show when that book came out, too, um, I wrote a book on Phantom Black Dogs. Mm -hmm. It's called Phantom Black Dogs, Walkers of the Liminal Way. Um, And there are a couple of input streams for this book. Uh, The first was some stories that I ran across when I was doing my my black dog research. Uh, The one that stood out for me is... uh, this gentleman was a uh, an editor, one of the first editors for the Oxford English Dictionary, and um, he and his family um, were on holiday in the mountains of England. And uh, as happens in that area, uh, they got socked in by uh, by fog. Yeah. Now, those of us who spend some time in the outdoors know that if you can't see where you're going, you stop. Uh, but apparently this gentleman didn't get that, uh, didn't get that bulletin. Mm. So, um, he was trying to blunder his way along the fog and long and short of it is that, uh, the classic phantom black dog, you know, the large black dog with the glowing eyes and the whole schmear appears, uh, in front of him, um, and blocks his way, refuses to let him pass. And, uh, you know, he tries to go around this thing. He tries to, you know, go forward and it, it just won't move. The fog clears, and lo and behold, this dog had been preventing him from walking off a cliff. Um, so this is a good example of the phantom black dog and its guardian aspect, which uh-huh. is something I talk about a lot in the, the other book. So that was one thing. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, there's that fog thing. There were a couple of other stories where black dogs appeared from the fog. Um, the, if you remember, we talked about the one where the, the gentleman was out and uh, he hears this, this black dog coming. You can hear this howling, right? And he beats feet for the house and runs back in, and locks the door. Um, his father seems to be made of sterner stuff and uh, goes upstairs and looks out the window. And yep, sure enough, there's a black dog sitting out in his front yard. So this old boy decides he's going to ventilate this thing, um, gets out his, his fouling piece, his bird gun, basically, and uh, fires 
several shots at this animal and only succeeds in ventilating his toilet. But um, again, dog appears from the mist, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, oh, that's interesting. So I've got thinking about that. The other stream that, that got me thinking about fog and mist and clouds and the paranormal was a, a personal experience. Um, I had a friend, um, I call him Nate in the book. Uh, it's not his name. I haven't seen him in years and, you know, wouldn't presume to, to you know, have permission to use his name. But um, Nate was, uh, this is back in the, the 80s, right? Nate was one of the original goth kids. You know, he was mm. the, the guy who wore black and, you know, uh, you know, was known to wear black fingernail polish and the eyeliner and whole smear, right? And grew his hair out into the, the classic heavy metal head banging look and, and the whole whole bit, right? It was also, um, and this is something you'd be interested in, it was dabbler in the occult, right? Mm. Um, so <clears throat> stress on dabbler. Um, <laughs> so Nate told me a story where um, he got up in the middle of the night and it felt compelled to get up in the middle of the night and went into the hallway of his apartment where there hung a mirror. And uh, as he tells it, when he looked at this mirror, and again, this could be a dream state. We, he could have been out of body. Who the heck knows? But uh, when he looked at this mirror, um, he saw fog uh, swirling in the mirror. And he felt compelled to enter the mirror. Mm. Fortunately for him, uh, his girlfriend was staying over that night. And uh, apparently he made enough noise to wake her up. Um, she jumps out of bed. She comes into the hallway. She finds him with his face literally plastered against this mirror as though he's actually trying to just walk into this thing. Um, she pulls him away from the mirror. You know, she lets him go. He tries to go back to the mirror. Um, but she finally succeeds in getting him back to bed and settled back down. And he remembers almost nothing about this in the morning. Um, but it comes back to him as she starts to describe it to him. The upshot of this is that he put away a lot of those books that he'd been reading (laughs) and decided maybe this wasn't a fun thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So we had the mist uh, motif there as well. So I got thinking as I was doing the research for Phantom Black Dogs and I was about to finish this book up and I was thinking, yeah, I wonder how many uh, paranormal stories, and I use paranormal in a very broad sense of the word as anything outside the normal, not just ghosts, but anything, you know, Sasquatches and whatever. I wonder how many uh, of these paranormal stories actually have a, a, a mist component to them, a fog component to them. So I started doing some research, and lo and behold, I went down the rabbit hole. Um, there are a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, there are so many of them that I would you know, uh, I talk in the book about uh, Jenny Randall's and that the, the Oz effect and the idea that, you know, paranormal experiences can be a, 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 uh, accompanied by things like the silence, which we all have, have heard of that. Uh, you know, a, a feeling that something's about to happen uh, and that, that feeling that time is not uh, running as it should. You know, either missing time or time goes too fast, time goes too slow, that kind of thing. I, after reading a lot of the stories in this book, decided that maybe we should add a a fourth thing to that list and say that if you see any kind of a strange fog or mist when these things, when you get that feeling that something's about to happen, it might be time to go the other direction. (laughs) Um, Because there there are some stories in the book. Um, I, I had a lot of fun researching this. Uh-huh. Because instead of just one topic like the Phantom Black Dog book, I got to talk about everything. Mm. Um, there are cryptids in this book. There are UFOs in this book. There are, you know, alien abductions. There's fairy lore. There's, you know, if you have an interest in the paranormal, you're probably going to find something in this book that you're going to like. You know, I, I think if you go in my search tool on my, on my blog and put fog or mist in there, you're going to come up with a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, I used a couple of stories. It's so much, it's so many incidents that that encompasses. And, uh, you know, when I think of that, the the first thing I think about is the story of uh, 
the gray man of Ben McDuey in the oh, fog yes. yeah. and you know yeah, yeah. that that was kind of the epitome to me of the and, and nobody even knows if it's actually a specter or, or an actual real being. Yeah, I mean nobody really knows. Um, you know, this mountain has a reputation for being quote haunted. Yeah. Um, however you want to put that, by a large bipedal, supposedly bipedal gray man. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the interesting thing about the, the stories is that, yes, this being seems to uh, use fog as cover. Um, but the people that encounter this thing don't usually actually see the creature. They hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they get the footsteps and that feeling of being followed, you know, the time displacement and all that stuff. The thing I found really interesting about this is that, uh, in the gray man stories, um, almost invariably what happens is that, uh, the individual encounters this, this creepiness, um, and then they make a run for it. Now, again, you know, if you've done any time outdoors, um, running on a mountainside is not a recommended activity. <laughs> all oh, I can of these, attest to that. Yeah, all of these people made it down from this mountain in one piece, despite panicking and, and fleeing for their lives, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the evidence that there was something on the mountain with them is is pretty sparse, but it's stuff that you would see in... Uh, like Sasquatch encounters, you know, I mean, we've all seen the shows and so forth where, you know, there's, there's the, the sound of footsteps, the feeling of being followed, da, 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 da. Um, you know, whether we can attest to that being an actual physical creature or something else, who knows. Um, but uh, so we, we have the same circumstance, but this is in Great Britain, which yeah. is a, a, not a place that has a lot of forest cover. Mm -hmm. Um, And certainly this mountainside, if you've seen pictures of it, doesn't have any forest cover. No, it's it's practically all rock. It's it's just a big rock. Yeah. Um, So what were these people encountering? And the gray man had a, had a cousin in Wales. It's it's called the Monarch of the Mists, Mm -hmm. um, which uh, again uh, is reputed to cause people that, uh, um, trespass on its domain to either disappear or have terrible accidents. Um, this thing always strikes me as being more of a you know type of a, a fairy or earth spirit type creature because um, you know that's kind of the reputation that it has. Um, the interesting thing is that there is a story um, from a town in Wales. It's not too far from the mountains where this this being is supposed to hold sway where a fellow's out walking his dog one day and he um, encounters this large, he described it as a gorilla um, in, in the brush. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, the dog freaks out and then he realizes that he has company and, uh, and he freezes and goes, Oh my God, what is this thing? Blah, blah, blah. It scared him so bad. He reported it to the police. And, the interesting part about the story is that the local constabulary took this absolutely seriously and, and even issued a statement that they would be investigating this quote unquote Yeti sighting uh, <laughs> in the area, that they took these things seriously and that uh-huh. they'd be increasing patrols in that area. Now, you have to wonder, <laughs> you know, how many people have been seeing weird things in this area that the cops are just like, Oh yeah, somebody else saw a Yeti over there. We better send some cars over that direction. You know, that's an interesting point that you bring up. And I have found that especially in Wales, as opposed to the other countries Mm -hmm. in UK, um, that the local authorities take a lot of this stuff serious. I mean, as far as, well, cryptids or whatever. I mean, somebody sees something, they don't normally poo-poo it. They look into it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've always thought thought that to be fascinating. Yeah, I, I, you have to wonder if they ever actually caught something. Well, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's what convinced them, you know. Um, yeah, and of course, the, the, the Welsh people have a long tradition of fairy lore, mm-hmm. um, dating back to, you know, who knows how long. Um, 
And so, you know, they, you know, they're one of the Celtic peoples that lives, you know, cheek by jowl with the, you know, with the, what they call the people of peace or, or the little ones or whatever they want to call them that week. Um, and I, I think that that maybe uh, alters their perception of, you know, reality isn't as solid as we think it is. Right. <laughs> they also right. have a strong tradition of the second sight in those countries. So uh, clairvoyance. So. You know, I got a question here earlier on here, and I, I, it, it's a good question. Uh, Nancy Malcolm asked about the cities and the clouds that people report. Uh, mm-hmm. I know there was a famous case in, in China. Uh, I have a few that were reported to me about uh, people that would be out in uh, the Hudson River on, or even on the, the ferry, uh, the Staten Island Ferry, he would look into the clouds and see the city in mm-hmm. the clouds. Did you look into any of those sightings at all? I didn't do that in the research for this book, but okay. I, I, I do know the, uh, I was looking more for monsters in the mist, I guess. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, cause I mean, when you do a book like this, um, at some point you have to start saying, okay, look, I don't have room for this. Well, I, I get it. Oh, I understand. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you've, you've done your, um, you know, I know you've got several books out um, where you've, taken sighting information so forth and you have to pick you have to pick and choose yeah um so but uh, these cloud city things i mean i know that the conventional scientific explanation is that it's some kind of a mirage yeah maybe you know i mean i i tend to be a both and thinker uh you know i i've always said you know for instance with sasquatch yeah you know, it's like i'm perfectly happy if there's a a, a relic hominid or a uh, large bipedal ape running around in the woods out there somewhere. That would be fine with me, but uh, I think there's something far stranger going on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it just depends on who's seeing this creature as to, to, to what, what, uh, what kinds of things they're, they're dealing with. But the same thing with this cloud city, maybe a mirage, uh, you know, there may be a, a, an infection layer that's, that's causing people to see a part of the city at some distance from them. Um, I know that that's possible meteorologically, um, but you know I'm a mystic and, and an animist, and uh, you know, like you say at the beginning of in your intro, you know, you talk about monsters, but I, I live in a world full of spirits. I, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're everywhere. Um, so I don't, you know, in gin lore, for instance, you encounter uh, the idea that the gin have their own. Uh, civilization basically mm-hmm. and that they have cities and that they have social ranking and so forth i mean who's to say that under the right circumstances um you're not looking at the dwelling of some spirit race uh, call them fairy call them jinn call them whatever you know in my view the spirit realm is so multitudinous that we only really have names for a fraction of the things that, uh, that could possibly be seen out there. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I, again, I'm an either, I'm a both and kind of think, thinker, you know, it could be a mirage. Some of them could be mirages. Some of them could be something more. Some of them could be instances of spontaneous psychism where uh, somebody perhaps, you know, you're talking about somebody riding a ferry, yeah. Maybe you're looking in the water, you get a little tranced out, you have a little latent psychic ability, and boom, you see something in the clouds. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a problem with that either. So there's there's lots of ways that these cities could be explained. Um, you know, some more acceptable to the scientific establishments than others, but, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you know, it's one of the fun things about these. these it's an uh, interesting phenomenon. It really is. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I yeah, I yeah. have seen pictures of what people have taken of these things. And yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, there's no dispute. It looks like a, an actual city skyline in a lot of these yeah. images. So, yeah, now you mean, did, so. yeah, you did talk about man wolves, which is interesting because mm-hmm. we're, we're, getting involved with a big case, I think potential big case now. Yeah. With, you've uh, you've been on the, genons. on the forefront of that particular, uh, yeah. Well, we tried to early in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I mean, you guys, 
between you and Linda Godfrey, you know, I've got all the man wolf stories I could ever wish for. <laughs> and, and to be fair, I love that stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's one of my favorite cryptids. If I had to pick a favorite, you know, I, you know if I was going to run into anything, I think a man wolf would be an interesting thing to see, but, um, but, but we, yeah. uh, we're uh, we're actually we're we're looking into one now. It just started, but it it may be a big case. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, you know, speaking of that, speaking of the man wolves, or just you, you talked about Linda and the beast of Bray mm-hmm. Road. You know, the 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 gentleman who owns that farmer, Lee Hempel, mm-hmm. he talked about these uh, these beings manifesting out of these mist and things disappearing out of these mist and associating with the, the beast of Bray road. Yeah. Um, yeah one of, go ahead. Yeah. One of the original um, beast of Bray road witnesses, uh, I think it was Doris. I don't remember the last name, but mm-hmm. uh, foggy night. Um you know, encounters this thing coming out of the fog. Um, so almost immediately upon this thing starting to make itself known, we get that fog uh, 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 instance. Uh-huh. And and that happened on more than one occasion. There, there was a story of a lady who was driving in California, I believe, and uh, going to work and arrives at work of a blithering mess um, because this creature, this man-wolf creature, uh, came out of the fog and actually jumped on the hood of her car. Mm. Uh, scared the bejesus out of her, of course. And, um, you know, jumped on the hood of the car and then jumped off. And, she, of course, she took off, got to work, and, and she was just a mess. Um, and the, the fellow who actually wrote to, to Linda and, and gave her this story you know, had to basically translate for her because she didn't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> um, but, you know, he got the story from her the day that it happened. So, mm. uh, you know, so again, you know, and one of the things that I talk about in the book is that it seems like some of these creatures are either using the mist as a, maybe a camouflage, um, you know, which would make sense yeah. uh, for something like a wolf is an ambush predator. Uh-huh. You know, so one presumes that a man wolf would behave in much the same way. Um, so using fog as cover, you know, you always see man wolves appearing from cornfields. It's like, what a great place to hide, right? Cornfields, fog, nobody would see this thing coming. Um, and so um you see that, uh, you know, and then we talked about the monarch of the mist, the gray man materializing or, or being heard in the fog. Uh, so in some instances, it seems like these creatures are using the, uh, the fog for cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're using it as a camouflage. Now, they may also be using it as camouflage for how they got there. Um, you know, if, if we start to, to go down the rabbit hole of talking about portals or mm-hmm. window areas or whatever it is you want to call it, I like to think of them as portals. Um, then, you know, it may be that the fog is something that happens as a result of one of these things opening or it comes through the opening and helps to cover whatever's coming through. Mm-hmm. Entirely possible, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially if you start to think about, uh, you know, uh, these these beings coming through and taking on a more solid form. So you... um. You talked about in the book in a chapter in about flying beings. Uh, what what beings in particular were we talking about? Uh, yeah, I I was looking at uh, at flying humanoids when I first started, but uh, okay. and, and there's the the Arsena story from uh, Ken Gerhardt uh, in the book. That's uh, you know basically this fellow's a, a scientist. Uh, he's out doing exploration for the Geographical Society for for Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in, you know, a remote mountain region. Um, and again, he's walking with his dog um, along a riverbank, deep fog. Uh, and he hears uh, the flapping of large wings and sees something indistinct in, uh, in the fog uh, going, moving away from him. Uh, he'd heard a disturbance in the bush. 
uh, being a brave sort of fellow, he, he thought he might flush this thing out. So he threw a rock at it. Um, and then something large and wing took off from the, uh, from the underbrush. Now he didn't actually see a, a humanoid, mm-hmm. but, uh, when he went back to talk to the native people, um, in his camp, they were all like, oh yeah, yeah, we know what that is. It's like, okay, uh, what was it? Says, oh, it's this guy, you know, uh, we see him every now and again. He has wings. He flies around. Sometimes we'll see tracks and, you know, the tracks will walk along for a few steps and then they'll disappear, you know, because he took off. They were very nonchalant about it. That's interesting um, because we've run into that phenomenon. Oh, yeah. With J.C. Johnson. And I, oh, yeah. When we used yeah, to yeah. talk about these tracks disappearing. Four, and, four quarters you know, is famous for that stuff. Yeah, yes. and it's like, I mean, what the hell is sprouting wings and taking off? It's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's either know. sprouting wings and taking off, or it's walking through into another dimension. Well, it's going into a portal or something. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, something like that. Yeah, because so, we had yeah. a case. We had a case out there actually at, at in the reservation of a um, of a winged humanoid that everybody said looked like the. Creepers, Jeepers, Jeepers, Creepers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Monster. Yeah, I remember and, that uh, one. Yeah. So, I yeah. don't know. I, 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 you know, I'll be honest with you. You know, with all these these winged beings and winged humanoids and stuff that we've been, we've been working on, I don't really recall, though I may be wrong, of anything involving mist or, or any type of fog associated with it. I could be wrong. But, yeah, know. there was some... Um... In, in one of the original Mothman sightings, and I mentioned mm-hmm. this in the book, uh, there's mention of the creature disappearing into like a fog or dust cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, that was about the only thing that I came up with as far as Mothman goes. Yeah. I think it's in the miscellaneous section of the book. Um, but the other interesting, uh, so there was a flying humanoid story. There's also a great story in the book about pterodactyls in the mist. <laughs> um, this fellow's... Uh, He's surfing, and this guy must be really freaking dedicated because it is cold. He's wearing, you know, a, a dry suit and the whole smear, but the, the water is, is, is really, really cold. And um, he's out doing his thing, um, and the fog rolls in, and he swears that this thing knocked him off his surfboard. Mm. He was a... Um, he was a, a pretty good sized guy, worked in a body shop, he was pretty buff, right? And he says this thing took him right off his surfboard, knocked him into the water. Um, and he got a, a good look at it when he came up. And, you know, it was the classic pterodactyl with the, or I guess they call it a pterodon. I, yeah, I pterosaur, pterodon. Pterosaur, yeah. um, you know, with the the head ridge and the, the bat wings and the, you know, the interesting coloring and, and so forth. Said so this thing went right over the top of him. And of course, nobody else saw it, even though he was surfing with a buddy. Nobody else saw it because of the fog. Mm. Um, so, did he actually see a pterosaur? Was he seeing the ghost of a pterosaur? Was he uh, having a spontaneous psychic event where he, you know, went back in time? <laughs> was he time traveling for a minute? Who knows? But it was a great story because he, you know, he, he, remembers this thing actually taking him off the surfboard um so yeah so those are a couple of the flying things that uh, that appeared in the in the book Uh, i just want to thank peace for their donation much appreciated um yeah i the pterosaur thing you know that whole thing freaks me out anyway you know i've (laughs) got i've gotten a lot of reports about those things for years now and yeah. uh, I've had all kinds of um, people give me their interpretation of what it is. Of course, you know, the people have seen these traditionally in Papua New Guinea, the Ropens. And mm-hmm. then you had the, the 1903 sightings in um, the Van Meter, Iowa. Yep. And, and then every every place else in between. It seems like the, it seems like the Midwest in particular that's going in from the Midwest up into the upper Midwest has seems to be a flyway or seems to be an area where a lot of these are seen at. 
Yeah, and then and then down into the mountains of New, of Mexico. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, where where they take these things pretty much for granted. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, there there are witches flying around. We have oh, terrorist wars. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah you, know, you just got to be careful when you go outside because <laughs> you never know what might be flying around out there. Yeah, that whole flying witch thing down in Monterey and oh, down there, man. those areas yeah. there. I, I you know I we've all seen the the videos and. Mm-hmm. You look at it and you think, well, it looks like somebody's on some type of device or something. But yeah, as you're looking at it and you think, well, why in the hell are they out there in the middle of nowhere out in these, yeah. you know, these mountains flying around this thing? So, yeah. but then there's and then there's the case of that one uh, police officer who, who yeah. got the living bejesus scared out of him by this thing and, and actually lost consciousness. It scared him so bad. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's yeah, like, he attested yeah. to it. Yeah, now, I mean, he, he said this yeah. thing dropped right in front of him. And and you know, I think I've he quit a the lot force of, too, to be honest. Yeah, with I've known a lot of cops in my life. Right. Um, you know, I worked in security for you know the in my younger years and and had frequent interactions with law enforcement. And I just can't ever picture any of the cops that I've known, you know, going ah. <laughs> <laughs> But so this thing must have scared the crap out of him. Yeah. Well, if it's what he said it looked like, it probably yeah. would have scared the yeah. crap out of me too. I mean, you yeah. know, yeah. I've yeah. seen a lot of things, but I don't know about that. That would yeah. probably do it for me. I think, I think I'd probably be, you know, <laughs> what is one of the what is one of the most unbelievable stories or events or oh, incidents golly. that you've come up with of this? So you know, I, I I was afraid that somebody was going to ask this question. Because, <laughs> well, it would be me because there are a bunch of stories in this yeah, book I that bet. will make you go, "What? <laughs> they did what?" <laughs> but um, probably my favorite set of stories in the book. Um, uh, I have a whole series called Mysterious Myths because you know, like I said, I talk about uh, the cryptids. I talk about. UFOs, I talk about, uh, you know, flying things and fairies and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a whole section of stories that I found that uh, don't really relate to a being. Mm-hmm. They're just weird clouds. <laughs> okay? Okay. So my favorite story, and, and, you know, you may or may not believe find this unbelievable. My favorite story um and it's because it has kind of a personal uh, thing to me. I was a big fan of the $6 million man when I was a kid. Right. <laughs> okay. Remember that show? Oh yeah. So, so um, I'm a Martin child Caden, of the seventies. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You remember um, yeah. Martin Caden. We're probably of an age. <laughs> Martin Caden, the guy who wrote cyborg, which is the book that the $6 million man was based on had an experience. Um, Caden, in addition to being a best-selling author, was also a, a pilot. Um, he was a naval pilot. Um, and in this particular circumstance, he and about six other naval aviators were flying a, uh, a, an advanced, uh, uh, I forget the exact type of aircraft, but it's one of those types of aircraft that they use for surveillance. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so it's got all the radars and drones or, you know, bells and whistles and electronic navigation and sat nav and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Just a complete suite of, of uh, electronic countermeasures and all that kind of fun thing. So uh, he and, and this group of pilots are flying this this uh, aircraft back across the, the Atlantic from Europe. Um, and they are coincidentally in what we think of as the Bermuda Triangle. Well, Caden was not flying when this happened. He was actually observing, but he was on deck with the pilots. Um, And he says that he looked to his right and the wing of the aircraft disappeared. This fog, this cloud that they came into was so thick that he could not see the wing of the aircraft. And they flew into this, this cloud and literally lost all navigational instruments, all electronics, all radio, everything went dead. They had to fly the airplane by dead reckoning. And if they had been, if this had not been a seasoned group of aviators, people who, you know, had been flying for years and years, 
uh, you know, there's no telling what would have happened because they didn't have altitude measurements or anything. You know, they, mm. they had lost all instrumentation and they couldn't see anything. Mm-hmm. You know, they were flying blind trying to get this aircraft out of this cloud. Um, and they continued to fly blind for 20 minutes or so, I believe. Wow. Um, they finally emerged from the cloud. And as soon as they came out of this thing, everything came back online. Um, and they discovered that they had covered a significant distance in that time. Um, so that was pretty unbelievable. It, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like a, a, a few of those uh, Bermuda Triangle stories mm-hmm. you hear from these pilots where they like, oh, yeah. They go into a fog or a mist or into a cloud mm-hmm. and when they they lose all control and uh of the the uh the the um uh of the gauges and such and mm-hmm. you know everything is spinning around and going yeah. crazy and, and they end up like 100 200 not i mean miles out off course or something like that it's i mean yeah, it's like oh, they, you're going into a time slip or something yeah or they end up uh farther along their flight path than they they should be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, there's a story in the book about that. The really incredible ones to me are the teleportation stories, though. Oh, okay. Uh, there's a couple of, of stories out of a place called Bahia Blanca. I think it's in Argentina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my favorite is this fellow is a businessman. He's, you know, he's the the dude who's traveling on business and he's at this hotel. Um, he goes out to his new car. And um, he starts to drive away off to wherever it was he was going for his next uh, next business stop. Um, he drives into this cloud, and his uh, his instrument his car dies. You know, uh, typical thing. You know, it's like when when you you know the the UFO stories where the car dies, right? Right. So his car dies. He's like, huh? Okay. So he gets out of the car. And the next thing he knows, he's in Mexico. Wow. Um, so this the, the kicker to this, though, is this guy goes to the local police station to find out where the hell he is. They tell him that he's in some town in Mexico. I forget where, he, where it was he ended up. So he's mm-hmm. several hundred kilometers away from where he was. The cops call the hotel. And the hotel personnel go outside and they find his car sitting in the driveway of the hotel, still running. <laughs> but the driver oh, is in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the unbelievable stories. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I have heard a few like that in the yeah, past. Yeah, there's, there's several of them in the book. But, um, you know, that where somebody is, ends up. That's really weird. Yeah. With the car even actually running yet. That yeah, this weird. car is still, still going, you know. Yeah. And, and he got out of the car because it stopped. So, okay. How did that happen? Oh, my um, God. You know, but, it, you know, the, the teleportation ranges from, you know, there's, there's another one where a doctor and his wife are driving down the road and they drive into this cloud again in that Bahia Blanca area and they end up in Mexico with the mm. car. <laughs> with the car. Uh, the whole thing translates almost instantaneously to Mexico. Do you believe, is, is there any lost time involved with any of these? Um, or is this just instantaneous? In the in the the circumstance with the the gentleman in the hotel, almost no time. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, he it, it, long enough for him to go find a police station and then call the hotel, but it was a short enough period of time to where they could go out and find his car sitting there running. Um, the the doctor, if I remember, he and his wife disappeared for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have any cognizance of how long they were gone, but the next thing they knew, they were in Mexico, and they ended up having to drive back to Argentina. <laughs> well, that's nuts. Yeah, yeah, that's really um, nuts. So, and then there's a, a, a smaller scale case where a young girl comes out of her uh, out of the front door of her house and walks into a yellow fog. And ends up, uh, she's on the outskirts of the city that they lived in, ends up downtown mm. instantaneously. Um, 
goes to somebody's house and asks for help and they take her to the police station and, uh, you know, they call her parents to come get her because, but they have no idea how she got there. And they, and, and one of the brothers or somebody saw her actually walk into the cloud oh, yeah? uh, and disappear. And they were of course, freaking out until the cops called to, to tell them that, Oh yeah, your, your kid is down here. Um, wow. So, uh, yeah, so it's like, so do these, these clouds sometimes hide portals that, you know? Well, you would think you that's what's going places? on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Hmm. once again, Peace, thanks so much for generous donations. Yeah. Really, hmm. really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, well, the first so, thing I'm thinking is that, well, it, it either hit a portal or something abducted it for whatever reason, but... yeah. You know, you hear all these yeah, stories. Somebody beamed like, you up and then beamed you back down. Yeah, yeah. You, you hear all these missing 411 stories oh, and yeah. such where people just suddenly disappear. And the first thing I, I think of is, well, they walked into something, a portal mm -hmm. or something, and uh, got taken to another dimension, another reality, another location on this reality. Yeah. And I talk about fairy lore in the book. And yeah. it's a very, you know, I mean, everybody wants to talk about aliens when you talk about abduction, but the original yeah. abductors were the fairy folk, uh -huh. you know, and it wasn't at all uncommon for someone to, uh, you know, to encounter the, and the fairy were known to use mist and fog to obscure their presence, right? Uh -huh. So it wasn't all uncommon for someone to encounter these beings in the fog and end up in fairyland. And sometimes they got out and sometimes they didn't. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. you know, and when they did get out, uh, there was that displacement of time because they would uh, think that they had been dancing with the fairy for a week and they'd actually been gone for a year or something along that line. Um, so it's like the changeling that. stories. Those things used oh, yeah. to freak me out when you saw oh, yeah. those things, you know. Yeah, I love that thing where that, you know, it's like, okay, well, we have a changeling child here. So what we have to do is put it on a shovel and hold it over the fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and then the fairies will come and get it and bring our baby back. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, was, I wonder what the origin of a lot of those stories are. Were people actually abducting babies and it 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 turned out that they started believing that fairies were doing it. Or do you have any idea uh, of that? I know this is know, off topic. Again, but. yeah, it's off topic, but that's okay because you know I'm I'm I I live for this stuff. So, <laughs> um, I think that in the the changeling stories we have again, you know, this is one of those things where you can't say this is the cause. Mm -hmm. Um, because what you have is, is a, a whole series of things, you know, sometimes I think what happened was that, uh, you know, the child simply had some kind of wasting disease that, you know, back in that time they could identify, they couldn't diagnose. And so there was an explanation that, you know, the child had been taken by the fairy. Um, remember that the fairy were, were intimately associated with the dead, um, in, in Celtic lore too. So, you know, there was that kind of crisscross where, uh, you know, if someone had a, a, an illness like that, a lot of times it got attributed to the fairy. Um, you know, there are uh, certainly circumstances where there are spirits that prey on uh, uh, human beings. Um, and, uh, you know, those... Uh, Incidences can be traumatic and can produce, I think, a, a type of PTSD that re results in wasting. Um, and then, you know, it's entirely possible that, uh, you know, that, you know, that someone was taking, uh, that occasionally someone took a baby and replaced it with somebody else's baby uh -huh. that was dying. Uh -huh. That could happen. And, you know, I mean, the fairy... Uh, have a long history of relationship with human beings. Um, and so it's not in my mind beyond the realm of possibility. We know that, uh, for instance, certain uh, uh, clans in Scotland were known to be terrific pipers because they had made bargains with the fairy, uh, that there were clans in Ireland who became terrific fiddlers the same way. Um, and then we, 
you know, go way down the rabbit hole to the whole idea of meeting the devil at the crossroads and all that stuff. But, um, so, you know, you know, who's to say that the fairy aren't borrowing kids occasionally? (laughs) Um, you know, I, I'm certainly not going to say that that couldn't happen. Um, because, you know, I, I've known some folks who were intimately associated with the fairy and can tell yeah. you some really, really weird stories. Me too. And I was just going to yeah. say that I, I have had people who have had, I think they swear they've had encounters with these things. Uh, I mean, they even got me believing them. And, uh, you know, yeah. I'm not necessarily into the fairy lore, but of course I'm going to listen to anybody and, and try to figure out what they're trying to tell me. But, uh, yeah, some of this stuff is pretty interesting and, um, I, I'm not going to doubt anybody, you know, I mean, yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> I've had enough weird stuff. Well, well okay. So good example. Okay. Um, I, I was doing, uh, an interview for another podcast and, uh-huh. uh, talking about um, UFOs mm-hmm. uh, because this, this person has a particular interest in that, uh, in that area. And we had the damnedest time with sound that day. Um, you know, it just, it happens. It happens. You know, I mean, sometimes you just, we had trouble with sound. My headphones wouldn't work, you know, <laughs> just, you know, we had a couple of really strong glitches, uh, you know, where things just wouldn't work at all. Um, I, I'm sure he had to do some pretty extensive editing on that show to get it to come out right. Um, wow. So, you know, I mean, this kind of stuff happens and everybody wants to go, oh, well, that's just coincidence. Well, it's, you know, it's coincidence because... if it happens once. Yeah. But when it happens to all the time, you know, uh, that's that goes beyond the realm of coincidence. It, it, it seems anytime I'm doing a show about clearings and you know people being possessed and such mm-hmm. we always start getting gremlins and we start getting oh, yeah. disembodied voices over over the audio mm-hmm. that's happened many times with me oh, yeah. yeah and um you know and i always warn the, the guest look just be aware of it mm-hmm. it always happens it, and it, yeah. it usually does happen some to do, some degree do. but yeah. uh yeah do what we can to prevent technical issues, but Absolutely. you know, it's well, the phenomenon just follows some of us, you know, and uh, you know, I guess I'm pretty used to it, but you know, sometimes you get a guest that's kind of freaked out by it. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I've seen enough <laughs> weird crap in my life. Well, you I'm and me like, both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like... you you also talk about vampires. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, so give so... me a good vampire story. Okay. Well, basically what happened is I went down a rabbit hole because um, a certain author that I had been reading maintained that uh, vampires were shape-shifting creatures that were able to turn themselves into fog. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, uh, I've read that in, you know, fiction books, mm-hmm. you know, Dracula does it, right? Mm-hmm. So I wonder if there's any basis in lore for that. So I went down the rabbit hole looking for, you know, because to me, it's always about the stories, you know, it's like, you know, and, and, you know, it may be a witness account uh, or it may be some of the folklore because those old folks actually knew what they were talking about. (laughs) You know, everybody, you know, everybody wants to think that, uh, you know, folklore is just, you know, the stories of superstitious people who didn't know any better, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, they actually knew how to, uh, associate with the, the spirits that they were, uh, having, uh, contact with on a regular basis, call them spirits of the land, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went looking for, for stuff about vampires, uh, in particular. And, uh, of course the, the, the deepest um, a well of, of lore for vampire stuff is in Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I went hunting for this, you know, are vampires able to turn themselves into fog and mist? And the answer is, hmm, somebody probably made that up. 
<laughs> but there, with the, the caveat that there are several stories in the lore of a vampire being able to enter the house through a keyhole or a chimney, mm-hmm. like a la Santa Claus, right? <laughs> um, so one of the things you had to do if you feared that you had a vampire infestation was be sure that... Um, be sure that your house was guarded by you know garlic and whatever on any place any little place where the vampire could get through so there's kind of the uh, implication that the vampire is able to either make itself really small or make itself immaterial and and make its way through these these uh these keyholes um i didn't get deeply into like witness accounts um because modern day vampire culture is, uh, uh, I'm not going to say that it's not reliable, um, but there's a lot of, of uh, people fantasizing yeah. uh, about these creatures. Yeah, I agree. Um, and what they do. And it's really hard to separate the, the wheat from the chaff when you get into those stories. Now, I'm again, like you, I'm always willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, but you know, you read some of these things and you're like, okay, you read that in a twilight novel. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so mostly what I focused on when I was doing the vampire section was, you know, are they able to, to make themselves into Mr. Fogg? And the answer is kind of maybe, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I, you talk about that and I, 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 I just thought of something about alien encounters, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, when usually when they're like they're a long term uh, thing where it happens continuously. I have had cases of people contacting me or about them having. Like, I, I don't know how you've heard this before or not, of actual alien beings being able to trans mute into some type of electrical energy or some type of mist or fog mm-hmm. and travel through electric conduits and and water conduits in a house to get in. Yeah. Have you heard about it heard anything I, like that? Yeah, I I it may have been something that I read on on your blog. Probably um, I, I seem to recall uh having having uh uh having seen that somewhere. Um there's also plenty of stories where the aliens just seem to walk through the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I read that kind of stuff, you know, again, both and thinker, uh, I think it's entirely possible that, uh, you know, we may be being visited by beings from other worlds. Mm-hmm. I just don't necessarily think those worlds are, you know, off in the galaxy somewhere and they're flying around in spaceships. Oh, I don't either. Um, because yeah, that's a big bugaboo I have. I don't think yeah. these, I don't think these things are inter, going interstellar space and showing up here. They're coming here for the most part by some type of uh, rift or portal or wormhole or whatever you want to call it. And they may actually be closer than we think. I mean, they may just yeah. be in a linear dimension. Right. Uh, right. You know, yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, if we accept that idea from the new physics that there are alternate dimensions, then mm-hmm. who the hell knows how many of those dimensions there are and what lives there and what sort of interface that dimension has with ours. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm willing to believe that there are, are you know, beings coming from other worlds, but those worlds may not be, you know, next to Alpha Centauri. Absolutely. Um, they may yeah. be right next door. Um, but I, I'm struck a lot of times reading abduction encounters. And again, I don't want anybody to take this as me poo-pooing the abduction experience. <laughs> okay. I absolutely believe that there's something happening to these people. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not oh, sure yeah. what it is, but there's absolutely something happening to these people. I am never, ever going to say that it's not the case. But you know- I'm often struck by the idea or the thought that some of these encounters seem to be happening out of body. Oh, I think um, it, I think it does. I, I think there are some, uh, 
some ethereal encounters. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, because where you, they, know, you have these encounters where the aliens appear in the room, they seem to walk through the doors, they they take the people out of uh, of the room through the wall, uh-huh. um, you know, and into, and you may not even necessarily see a ship. They just suddenly make a transition into another place uh, where, mm-hmm. you know, you have the typical examination thing going on and all that stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm struck by the, uh, the idea that uh, these beings may be more spiritual than people are, are, are wanting to admit. It's a lot like the, the Sasquatch conundrum where, mm-hmm. you know, everybody wants this to be a flesh and blood creature that they can go out and put a bullet in and they can drag it back and prove to science that they exist. You know, everybody wants, you know, the UFO experience and the abduction experience to be, you know, a nuts and bolts thing, you know, where, you know, if we put a missile in this thing, you'd shoot it down and you'd be able to, to go collect the parts or whatever. And I don't, you know, I called my book Mysteries in the Mist for a reason. It's because I believe in the mystery of this, mm-hmm. you know, and i I, I love the mystery of it. That's why I continue to research these things and why I'm so interested in them and why I can sit and talk about them for hours if given a chance. Um, it's not because I think I'm ever going to solve anything. It's because, ah, look, you know, you have to have that, uh, that love of mystery mm-hmm. uh, to be in this field because you're never going to get an explanation. You can theorize a whole bunch yeah, but we're not going to get real, you know, like, okay, this is exactly what happened. And we, we recovered these bodies and, you know, now we can say definitively that these people are from Alpha Centauri or whatever. Just don't see that happen. Now, I could be wrong. No, I, but I agree <laughs> with you. No, I absolutely agree with that. There is something else behind all this. Um, you know, I, I, I have been saying for a while now that, the whole cryptid UFO alien phenomena, there's ties and there's a lot of similarities there. Are they ultra terrestrial beings? Are they able to come through all of them able to come through portals or able to manifest in our, our earth plane and then, you know, then vanish again and go in back into where they came from. Uh, I, you know, I think, as time has gone by, people are being more open to that. Mm-hmm. Um, for a biggest reason is there's just real no it, physical evidence of these things for the first for any you know anything. Yeah, I mean there's no bodies or anything to that, and beyond that, there's just not much of anything. And if there ever is a body, it seems like it always disappears before anybody can get a chance to look <laughs> yeah. at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then there's that, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then you have the the fun things like the tracks that go across the cornfield and then disappear in the middle of the cornfield. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, well, there's physical evidence that something was here and then it disappeared. Right. Um, how did that happen? Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that we have to be open to the idea that there's something much more complex going on than Mm -hmm. maybe what we want to admit um you know because we we want to be able to put things in nice neat little boxes and say okay this is you know this is what a sasquatch is you know or whatever whatever phenomena you're talking about you know there are pterodactyls flying around in the fort yeah maybe maybe there are time rifts opening and pterodactyls are flying around and then flying back in yeah exactly I was a big fan of a, a British show called Primeval that had these anomalies that would open and, and weird creatures would come out. It's like, yeah, like that. Mm. <laughs> I could believe that. <laughs> you know? So, um, Travis, why don't you tell folks how they can get a hold of you, get your books, and uh, get any more information? Uh, if you have anything going on coming up, or you're going to appear anywhere else? Uh, okay. So, well, no, I, you know, the conference thing and whatever is kind of dead in the water right now with the whole COVID thing. Yeah, I know. Um, but, uh, mysteries in the mist is available on Amazon, as you can see, uh, by your, your, uh, graphic there. Uh, it's available on Kindle. Uh, you can get a paperback copy. 
Um, so it's available in both forms. Um, and I believe it's been available on Kindle Unlimited as well, if you have that subscription. Mm -hmm. As far as getting hold of me, uh, I have a, a, an author page on Facebook, a W.T. Watson um, author. Um, and I also have a, a personal account. Um, I'm also available on Twitter, uh, W.T. Watson, at W.T. Watson 2, I believe. Um, and if you're an Instagram person, um, I'm Coronier, C-U-R-U-N-I-R-60, 60. 60. Um, so, uh, and I welcome, you know, interaction with people who've seen podcasts. Uh, you know, I've had a couple of people who've come to me with reports since uh, Phantom Black Dogs came out. Um, I'm happy to, to talk with people about that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, as far as other things going, um, I'm going to be appearing on other podcasts of course uh, I'm, I'm doing the circuit right now yeah i get um, it you know you know how that goes so uh -huh. i'm sure you've done that with your books as well yep. um and uh you know i'm working on something else right now i have a contract Good. that's going to come due in uh in in summertime so there will be more wt watson nonfiction fun monster stuff coming out soon yeah i get it because i'm i'm already trying to figure out what my next one's gonna be we'll see <laughs> yeah i see you're doing a book on on uh on the the meme humanoids this time yeah this this took a little bit of ingenuity i think oh, yeah. uh, on my part because it's not it's not really a subject that I'm in, really looking into, but I've mm -hmm. been, uh, I thought it deserved a, 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 a book. So I did what yeah, I could with it. It's just so interesting. I, I'm really interesting, interested in this idea of uh, things like the, uh, the Slender Man, where yeah. something that started off as a creepy pasta story yeah. suddenly seems to take on a life of its own. It's bizarre. And, we, we have to start thinking in terms of thought forms and tulpas and that kind of thing when we when we start to talk about those uh, those kinds of sightings um, and those beings seemingly having influence uh, over people either that or we have to talk about oh there must be a spirit that's picking up on this energy and using it yeah one of the two things seems to be most likely to me but yeah, I again, like I said, I can go on and on. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, Travis, thanks again for coming on the show tonight. I appreciate it, and uh, you let me know when the book next one come out. I'm I will oh, know because uh, Shannon will let me know. And uh, oh yeah, so uh, you take care and you have a good weekend. Yeah, thanks very much for your time tonight, um, and everybody out there, you know, stay stay creepy. You know, keep looking for stuff. Uh, yeah, I've loved phantoms and monsters for as long as it's been out there, and it's it's one of those things that that uh, keeps me in uh, uh, keeps me in stories when I'm in between projects. So, wow, that's you what take they're care. For, so I appreciate it. Yeah, well, thanks very much, Lon. You take it out. Now, if you have an unexplained encounter or sighting, feel free to contact me directly at uh, Lon Strickler at phantomsandmonsters.com or through the Phantoms and Monsters blog site. I want to again thank W.T. Watson for joining me this evening. And thanks to each and all of you for watching and chatting. If you made a super chat donation and specifically to Peace for all the amount they gave tonight, it's much appreciated. Uh, your support is what makes this possible, and uh, please like, subscribe, and share. Now, my new book, The Meme Humanoids, Modern Myths or Real Monsters, is now available on Amazon.com. It's, uh, it's on Kindle, and it's uh, in paperback as well. So um, next week, we're going to have a cryptid roundtable with several investigators and researchers uh, most, I think most of these people I've never interviewed before. So it, sh it should be an informative session. So until that time, stay healthy and have a safe and enjoyable weekend. Good night.